Alrighty, welcome back to another week and another The Sports Booth podcast. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, Husey. I am Luke Bowden. Say hello, Husey. Hello, hello. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, great to be back for another week. That's fantastic. Yes, we're, we're still doing these virtual ones just because just it's a, a bit easier in, in COVID and, and everything like that. Um, so it'll be another yeah, virtual bit safer one. safer as well. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, so we're back on the virtual one. A lot has happened in the sporting week. Yep. Um, so we'll touch on that a bit. But the, the, the idea of this <laughs> the idea of this podcast is going to be a, uh, a bit of a, uh, a view into the future, a bit of back to the future, uh, with some predictions and, and some some looking into 2022 and how we see that panning out, um, which will be exciting. We've got some predictions that will definitely be right. Uh, we've 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 actually done what was it Marty McFly managed to do in Back to the Future and get the yeah. sports element, and uh, we're, we'll sh- we'll share some insights of what's going to happen to the in the sporting world. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But first, welcome everyone. First, first to start off the week, we'll start a recap. Husey, you've got some some yes. words to share. So, yeah, before we get started on the recap, last week it came to light that uh, there was a bit of a travesty on our podcast, a bit of a blunder, um, and I mistakenly thought that I had predicted a series whitewash in the Ashes when in fact it was you, Luke. So I just want to say that speaking of whitewashes, I do not plan in any way to whitewash my sin uh i do not call it a mistake a mendacity i call it a sin i would much rather if possible and in my estimation it would not be possible to make it worse than less it actually is i have no one but myself to blame i do not lay the fault or the blame of the charge at anyone else's feet for no one is to blame but alexander hughes i take the responsibility i take the blame i take the fault it's important to me that everyone who has been hurt know that the sorrow that I feel is genuine. First and foremost important, my family, my friends, my staff, my cabinet, Luke Bowden and his family, and the New Zealand people. I ask for all, all of them for their forgiveness. Luke, you're my backbone. You're a blessing. You're a piece of my heart. You're the air that I breathe and you're the strongest person I know. And I'm so sorry for having to put you through this and having to put our podcast through this. I recognise that by saying that I'm deeply sorry, it might not be enough and sufficient to address the pain and the hurt that I have caused you. Therefore, I want to ask for your forgiveness for my actions and hope that you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Wow, that was deep. That was deep. So that was was a combination of apology speeches from uh, Jimmy Swaggart, Bill Clinton, Kobe (laughs) Bryant, and uh, Olympian Marion Jones. Some transgressors on their behalf. I I was like, I swear, at one point there, I was like, I've heard this before. I've definitely heard this somewhere. I was trying to work out. Probably heard the Kobe Bryant one before. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just looked for words that really expressed how I felt about this. And I am truly sorry, Luke. Yeah. uh, (laughs) It's all right. It's understandable. Like, to be fair to you, Husey, I guess. Everyone kind of probably predicted a whitewash, so it yeah. wasn't like it was like anything out of the blue. But I, I just noticed that I yeah. flipped back and I was like, oh, "That's where I said that." Did Husey actually say that? And I just couldn't find it anywhere. So yeah, so I mean, it's good. Yeah, we're, look, we're, we're, we're it happens. Water under the bridge now. We're just so much of one mind. <laughs> That's why you just get mixed up. Yeah, yeah ideas bounce, and, and and this is what happens. Um, so exactly. So yeah. Apology accepted. Um, I'm sure it'll happen again, Thank and I'll you. definitely Thank steal you. some of your ideas. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I'll be the one apologising. But yes, so yeah. I think everyone who, who listens to the podcast will enjoy that you've apologised and, and, and taken the blame. So um, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. I've sent a few comments out there from uh, from other 
Kiwis commenting about typical Australians and things like that. So just, you know, needed to put my heart on the line and be, be the bigger man. You know? <laughs> Definitely. No surprises. <laughs> Righty. So Novak Djokovic, the man on everyone's Novak mouth. Djokovic. What? Novak Djokovic. Yeah, Novak Djokovic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the man on everyone's uh, lips Ooh. at the moment. Um, I mean, where do we even start with this? Uh, we're, we're obviously not the biggest tennis followers in the world, but this yeah. is this is. Do you, I did, yeah, what do you think, Hughes? Let's I start did with see that. like sort of a. I did see sort of like a good sort of summary of how it happened, and I think that as much as everyone wants to blame Djokovic and say he's a terrible person and whatnot. I don't think it's entirely his fault. I think he was arrogant in assuming that he could just come in here without the proper paperwork to back up his claims. Um, but, you know, assuming he's because he's a star, people will just know what he's supposed to have. The other, the other people will sort it out for him, thinking he's bigger than everyone else. And look, you know, I get it. As a superstar tennis player, superstar sports star, you get into that mentality. But these are unprecedented times. But I did see that essentially Tennis Australia um, approved his exemption for their own internal allowances the victorian government had given him an exemption to be in the state of victoria however the third exemption that he needed which was the australian um commonwealth exemption to get into the country was the one that was uh, misapplied for and was denied and there's been lots of government uh, lots of documents flying back and forth with the government to tennis australia saying that just having had covid in the last 90 days or whatever isn't sufficient enough to get an exemption so obviously there's been you know, these are massive tournaments that they put on with so many players and so many workers from Tennis Australia, the different government bodies and the staffs of these players flying around everywhere. It's been it's been a mix-up of some kind, but it's been a mix-up for probably one of the most controversial tennis players in terms of COVID and one of the biggest names in world sport. And that's why it's getting so much media attention. And look, I think that at the end of the day, the Commonwealth government has to have taken the stance that they've had given what the, the country has been through in terms of lockdowns and people not being able to get home, I think it would be unconscionable of them to have, you know, made an, ex, an unlawful exception for someone just because they're a tennis player. Equally, though, if Novak can prove that he got the approvals or he was indicated that he would be approved, then there needs to be some leniency show there because he's done the right thing, but he's been arrogant about it by not bringing his documentation. It's like it's, if you went to went to go to America and you didn't bring your visa with you, like just yeah. because you assumed that, you know, because I'm some big name tennis player, I don't need to bring my visa with me. You need to bring your paperwork with you. You need to back up your claims. He hasn't done that because he's assumed he's such a big star. Everyone would know what his status is, and that's what's backfired on him. Yeah, and I it's it's funny you started that, and I totally agree. I think there's there's a lot of probably people we could sit here and blame, um, and I think. Novak's arrogance, as you've said, is what has slightly got him into trouble. Other than that, there's actually not that much to blame, I think, to be put on him. Um, yeah. Because if you think about it, he's a tennis player. He's not going to be the one organising all this stuff. This is going to be someone else who should have done this for him. Absolutely. And and just my question, even for, I guess, Australia in general, is how was this not sorted before he even got into the country? I Absolutely. I just don't understand like why... This was even an issue up until then. Even if I was Tennis Australia, I would have going straight to the Commonwealth to go, we want this signed off because of this reason. Tourism, righty, righty, right. Yeah, 100%. You, you could make arguments left, right and centre why he should or shouldn't be allowed in. I mean, he's a prick and a dickhead, but it doesn't change the fact that he's a bloody good tennis player. I would have loved... I hope he kind of still does get in because I can't wait to see what the crowd reaction, the whole thing is. I, I, I think... Um, Kyrgios? Kyrgios? 
the old yeah, yeah he had a great tweet about it absolutely fantastic tweet about it and then also said he was doesn't want to be within any any point across from the court to face him because of how much of a, a, yeah. a of a run he'll go on and just how how much he'll prove. I mean, yeah. I don't think Djokovic's dads or, or family have helped the situation either. Um, no, but I think yeah, someone in his team's obviously made a couple mistakes. But can I just say something here as well, quickly? What is it with sports stars and their parents and their parents needing to get involved in the situation. We saw it with Odell Beckham in Cleveland as well. It's like, just shut up. Just let yeah. your kids play. It's not, they're not in junior league anymore. I mean, even in junior league, you shouldn't be mouthing off to the referees like we see some people do. Just shut up. It's not your business. Like, I get you want to defend your son or put your child in the best position possible to succeed, but when you're interfering with their work, then you've, you just you need to just close your mouth, honestly. Definitely, and I and I, I, I'm, I it's just it baffles me what's what's happening. And there's so much news report you don't know what's true. Like I read one today, um, and it was like he had COVID within the last thirty days, so he had yeah, it like December nineteen or something December sixteenth like yeah. or something. But then on all the social media, he's out in the public on those days, and it's like. Well, what's going on here? Like, there's some negligence. Well, I mean, that's not unusual behaviour for him. Remember his super spreader event? Exactly, yes. So, uh, I mean... I mean, yeah, that doesn't necessarily prove he didn't have COVID. Yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's one of the craziest yeah. stories I think we'll we'll probably see this year. And I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I think, yeah, I think the, the Commonwealth's probably going to keep their foot down until at least something yeah. can get brought to attention that, yes, it, he should be allowed in. I think I think if he plays, he creams everyone in that tournament because he'll be so pissed. He'll be a man on a mission. Oh like, yeah, I think it's like sort of Tom Brady esque. Like when Tom Brady gets like pissed off, and he he will just slice through you. So I think it's like that. I think he will just be he was every opponent to him. He'll do like that thing from Waterboy where their heads morph. Morph into Scott Morrison. Just, yeah, yeah, and I think I think that'll be a, it'll be. I'd love to see him and just run for everyone. Him and because Nadal, who's not usually that outspoken, has been quite outspoken with the yeah. situation. Imagine that in a final with a hostile yeah. Melbourne crowd. I think that would be some yeah. entertaining tennis. At least I might even watch that. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's a great villain hero story. You know, like Australia, all of Australia to get behind Nadal, be Djokovic on his own out there, and you know, either way, whoever wins there, I mean, people watching the game will win because that'll be a hell of a match. Definitely. So yeah, so that's that's kind of our thoughts on Novak. Um, we'll we'll kind of see how the story goes. I can't, I can't even yeah. I can't even predict how this is going to end up. But yeah, that's 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 yeah. our, our our piece on Novak. Um, onto the Ashes again, another dominant performance. Uh, still playing at the moment. I think uh, England were still bidding away. I don't know. They hadn't lost a weekend wicket the last I checked. Um, yeah. But Yaman Usman Hawaja. Oh, well, no score score update. As we are at lunch now, England are uh, uh, three for 122. Three? So, oh, yeah. so they've lost a few. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they've got a, another 266 to, to go um, with three wickets down. So, it'll be, see how it'll that be goes. a close game. So, yeah, I mean... This is at time of recording. At time of recording. Usman, Kawaja, absolutely stunning return to the cricketing circle. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think you could have... Uh, hope for a better return of two back-to-back no. hundreds. Um, and, and I guess yep. just shows the depth of Aussie cricket at the moment, the fact that, you know, he can come Absolutely. in like that um, and, and do that. And then I guess Scott Boland continues on his role as well when, uh, to start yeah. off the, the test. Um, so, I mean, a lot of good from Australian cricket. Cult hero. 
<laughs> he really has become sort of a, a cult hero. Like you see him all over, like you know, Batuta Advocate and stuff yeah. like that. You see him on Instagram stories and things like that. Usman Khawaja as well has been all over there. I saw a great one um, on Batuta Advocate about um, Usmania because he's likely going to be selected for that Tasmania test. And I thought, you know, it's really good for the sport to see it being brought into the public sphere more and more daily. I mean, Ashes time, everyone, like summer of cricket, cricket's all over the place, but. Uh, yeah, I feel like this year's been even more so, given the dominance of Australia. Like everyone's, you know, everyone just wants to see, like, you know, can they pull off the the whitewash? Like, it's not even a question now of will Australia win. Uh, you know, like I mean, we obviously they've won the series, but it's not even a sort of a question of like, are they gonna? I think feel like it's almost become a question of not are they gonna whitewash? It's gonna be like how quickly they do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, who's gonna do something spectacular next? Like. It's almost like a, uh, I don't want to say a circus because I feel like it's a bit disrespectful, but it's almost, it's like very entertaining, which is, sometimes it's hard to be entertaining in test cricket, you know, five, five day uh, matches in your five match series, like it can be tough. It's, it can be difficult watching, but with the skill that Australia is showing, like it's very entertaining to sit there and, and watch, which, you know, I'm not the biggest cricket person. I do like my big bash. I do like my one days, but test cricket it's a bit of a struggle for me, but these ashes, I've been, they've been very watchable for me, which I think is a testament to the skill of uh, Australian cricket. And I think you do have to give kudos to the English team for, you know, clearly, clearly they are the worst side, but they are sticking in there tough and giving it their all. But you could just, there's just a gap. Definitely. It's just a gap. Definitely. And I think that's, that's what makes it entertaining is, you, you know, England is the lesser side, and you're kind of waiting for the capitulation, but you also know there's so much talent in that English side with, yeah. you know, they're obviously missing a top order, but when Root, Stokes, um, Baristow go, start, start getting getting going, it's, it's, it's a pretty formidable, you know, team as well. Like, it's not, their bowling attack's definitely yeah. good enough. Obviously, Leach has had a tough tour, but it's hard to bowl spin in Australia. It's well known that it's hard to bowl spin in Australia, yeah. and, and Lyon's kind of their... The outlier, like his lines, a fantastic bowler and, and, and can do what he yeah. can do. But yeah, you just kind of if you look across both teams and you go across, 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 you're picking just about the Australian every time, other than maybe Joe Root, I think would probably be. And then even there, there's question marks because you go, well, Manus is, is in Joe Root's slot, and you'd probably at the moment still put Manus over him. So yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're under it. Uh, I think it's it is it's a, how gritty are England going to be? Are they willing to? To grit it out like they've done in this test and will they be willing to grit it out in the fifth test and try and come up and just just get something out of this tour because yeah, you, can't, you can't say they've, they've got a lot out of it um so yeah it'll be yeah. it'll be an interesting i guess final day today and then last test in tassie is going to be i think fantastic even just depending whatever team australia decide to put out there <laughs> yeah I, yeah, I guess yeah, if Australia sticks with the same squad and loses the Tasmania test, that might be a bit of a morale blow. But yeah, if Australia trots out a new squad, uh, or you know, not a whole new squad, but you know, put some different pieces out there just to see what they can do and loses, you know, kind of yeah, why not? You know, explore the the depth. It's sort of what we're talking about, like with the Wallabies and the European Tour. Just sort of see what you know, see what your depth is like. See, you know, if someone goes down, who could step up? You know, get some more information. Definitely. And uh, yeah, it's a great test. You know, an Ashes game, Ashes match, I should say, Ashes test. I'm yes. Being terminologically correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the Ashes. Uh, 
obviously last day today we have a result probably by the time this goes out tomorrow you'll know who's won yep. lost or drawn um other big news of this week the man the myth the legend former stealer antonio brown <laughs> wow uh, what a circus yeah, that wow, is something... we can we can describe that as a yeah. circus can't we <laughs> that that's definitely a circus i mean yeah he's like you know he's like a maximus decimus meridius there in the crowd going like are you not entertained oh. running around it's like oh geez I mean, I mean and the stories that have come out from both sides on that i mean look i've had a few discussions with some mates about this who follow football and uh Look, as much as Antonio Brown puts out there, it's like Chicken Little or the boy who cried wolf. Like, he has just lied and lied and lied so many times. You've got to take anything he says with a grain of salt the size of Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. Like, I would not be surprised if there are some elements of truth in what he's saying, but at the same time, a lot of it, a lot of it has got to be bullshit. And I, I know that I'm picking... Uh, I mean, on the opposite side, you've got Tom Brady, not exactly known for his truthfulness either, <laughs> okay. but I would still take the Buccaneers organization of Bruce Arians' word over Antonio Brown's. And the fact that he put on such a spectacle while leaving as well, you know, like, come on, man. You know, it, it, I understand, like, I would be more sympathetic if he just sat out the rest of the game, just sat on the bench, whatever, just acted like a professional. Yeah. But it's something that he has never done. And... It, it, I mean, really, up until his last year in Pittsburgh, he was a, a relative professional. There were little incidents here and there, but the Steelers, they kept a lid on him pretty well. They Mike Tomlin had him under control. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then, yeah, that last year in Pittsburgh, when he, you know, sort of clearly wanted out, and then everyone's pointing the fingers at Ben Roethlisberger's, at the Steelers, like, it's the toxic culture there, it's this, that, and whatever, goes to the Raiders, calls his... GM a cracker and tries to fight him, punts a ball down the field, gets cut, goes to the Patriots, cut after like two games, goes to the Buccaneers, walks out during the middle of the game, and so many other incidents in between. You know, supposedly uh, sneaking an OnlyFans star into his hotel room um, before the game. And this is the same person, uh, allegedly, that was licking airplane toilet seats to start a new trend on Instagram. Uh, apparently starred in an adult film as well, Antonio Brown in, like, you know, come on, man, like, just, what are you doing? Like, you were one of the most talented football players to have ever played football, and you're just throwing it away, and, yeah, it's it's really disappointing. As someone that was a big fan of him for a long time, obviously, (laughs) it is, it's really awful to see, um, yeah, but I, I really hope that people now see his exit in Pittsburgh in a different light. It's, it is, it's crazy what, what's happened, and I think you can just about make a damn reality show out of his life. And I think in the end he's probably positioned himself now for a, a career outside of sport just with some circus, you know, entertainment stuff, yeah. something like that. Because he's not, I don't think anyone takes a risk on him again to play sport. And uh, I've got no problem with, um, like, you, like you said, if he was injured and, and if that does turn out to be true. Because I think, I, I honestly believe there is some truth there, the way they've gone... We've had enough of your crap, yeah. what you did with the vaccine shit. We want you to just get out there and prove you can play no matter what. Yeah. And, and yeah, he may have been playing through the injury, but I don't know. I Yeah. I guess in the end, I feel like if it was such a big issue inside the Bucks organization, all the guys that are currently injured would be discussing this as well. Like, you got Fournette, you got yeah. Goodwin, you, even, even, you know, like you saw him trying to consult. They'd be discussing this. The fact that it's just yeah. been quiet in there, I feel like shows that, 
now we're here to do our job and win a, a, a Super Bowl. You you exactly. do you do what you did need to do to get yourself, you know, happy. But yeah. we're here doing the Super Bowl, so I, I I can't see him playing football again unless some t- even maybe Jacksonville takes a risk on him and goes. I was literally just thinking <laughs> the Jaguars. I'm like, of all the teams, like Jaguars. I don't think I w- I would have thought Detroit, but I don't think Dan Campbell is going to take any of that crap. Definitely not. He he does not seem like the type of coach to put up with that. Maybe the Texans might take a flyer on him. Uh, with like a very like uh, controlled deal, but yeah, that's about it. Like mm-hmm. real basement dwellers. Yeah, you know, I, for yeah. I get but it. it was before it was contenders. Contenders wanted him for his talent. He was he, his talent made up enough for that. Now he's what if he gets a deal? I would be surprised. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I would be very. It would surprised. be shocked, especially even with saying Jacksonville. If if they do say, offer him a deal, the, the backlash of offering him a deal, like, the only reason you'd offer him a deal is to get some weapons for for Lawrence, and even that, it's like, is it worth yeah. the risk? Like, is it worth the risk? <laughs> what we've just had with Meyer well, and stuff, I can't see, I don't know, he would have to sh- yeah. he would have to do something pretty, my issue is, even if he got himself, like, you know, he's having the surgery now, like he's saying, he got himself into the, the best, you know, peak physique he could be in, he's, he's looking good in training, like, He's not going to get an opportunity to show it on the field, like an actual no, game scenario. Exactly I can't see right. it. Like I just can't see it. Exactly. It's he's on the. He can do. I, I would say he could do the most preparation, the most workout, the most get himself into the best shape possible. As you said, do anything on the field, and it wouldn't matter given his off the field answers. He, if he wants to play again in the NFL, he needs to do something off the field to show a correction of his behavior, yeah. and. He, he's or he started off on a bad foot with that, you know, going to a basketball game, going on a podcast and trash talking his entire team. Like, yeah. you know, you can only imagine, you know, especially since the other people that maybe, heavy maybe, might offer him a contract next year are non-contender teams, really, or people that are looking to go from the basement to contenders. It's not going to be a smooth ride. It's not going to be like the Buccaneers where you've got Tom Brady, Hall of Fame, go yeah. quarterback throwing at the ball. It's going to be developmental Trevor Lawrence or Davis Mills or something like that throwing in the football. So when things start to go wrong there, imagine the blow up that he's going to have. Yeah. So, and as a GM looking at that and as a coach looking at that, you're going to be like, I don't know. I would I would be very, very doubtful on it. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever seen him play football again. I really don't. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's our thoughts on, on the situation with Antonio Brown. Uh, we'll take our take our step into the into the future now with a, a kind of a look into 2022. So a lot of big events in 22, or a couple of big events, should I say. Um, the biggest one, of course, end of year football World Cup is on um, in Qatar, which will be massive, um, and I'm sure we'll do some stuff around that. I've got uh, the Formula One's going to be a massive this year with the uh, battle between Verstappen and Hamilton and how that ended and just how, yep. how the next season is going to ha- uh, happen. Another T20 World Cup is on um, in Australia, um, so we'll probably catch some games. I think yep. the tennis for now, after all this, is going to be interesting. Just the whole every grand slam from here yep. on out is now going to be uh, under spotlight, I guess. Um, so that'll be interesting. I've got both the Super Bowl and the NBA, I think, are uh, going to be fascinating this year. There's both so even and there's both so many contenders um, that you couldn't pick winners in, in either sport in American football or basketball. Yeah. Um, and then in Australian sport, Super Rugby, obviously the new competition is 
going to be huge seeing how that happens starting off very soon and then nrl as well uh, again a lot of contenders um and how they manage the the, the battle with Omicron and, and, and the cases will be very interesting, yeah. which we'll touch on a bit later. Um, any events you, you see, you hear there that I missed, that you think I might have missed? Uh, not that you missed, just, uh, yeah, uh, not really. I mean, uh, we don't cover it that much, but uh, hockey is heading towards the playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, as a Pittsburgh uh, sports fan, Pittsburgh Penguins on a nine-game win streak at the time of recording, so that's pretty exciting for them. Uh yeah, other than that, I mean, there's baseball, but we don't really look at baseball that much. No. Um, and, and even then, baseball pro- might not be played this year because of the lockout. Lockout the as well, yes. collective bargaining agreement yes. is, uh, yeah, gone. So, uh, yeah, look, NRL is going to be a big one. You know, honestly, Panthers looking pretty strong as potential repeat uh, champions, I've, although Melbourne looked strong as well. I, but, I think they've you know. jinxed it with that Nathan Cleary tattoo. Did you see that tattoo? That he got, yeah, oh yeah, my I, god, shocking! I'm like, man, you made. Yeah, I mean, at least he's embracing the he's embracing the Penrith Mount Druitt. Yeah. <laughs> you you make like just under a million dollars a year. Tell me you can get a better tattoo than that. Just tell me, like, yeah, look, uh, he's supporting local business. Luke. <laughs> supporting local business. Oh uh, yeah, whatever it was, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, so we're gonna just do a quick top five of our events. Slash people like we're looking forward to seeing. I will start off. Yeah. So fifth kind of top event slash person I am looking forward to watching this year is actually a, a English football player, and it's by the name of Phil Foden from Manchester City. Now Manchester City looked mm-hmm. good to win the uh, title, the Premier League title. They're looking pretty hot still in the Champions League. And then with England's run in the Euros and then the World Cup, uh, Phil Foden will be involved heavily in all three of those. So I'm really interested to see how he goes this year. He stays healthy, plays well in all of those. Um, yeah, there'll be some talks um, that I'm going to discuss later with my predictions about him um, being the best player in the world, taking a step up um, into that that upper atmosphere of, of, of elite talent. So I'm interested to see him. He's my, my number five. And number four is the one and only, the greatest All Black currently, Will Jordan. Um, I'm so excited to see him take another step from the breakthrough player. I think he's going to have a huge year this year. I think we see him move back to fullback with the talk of Jordy Barrett going to 12. And I think he is going to, and now with Damien McKensley slightly out of the picture, still hanging about. But I think Will Jordan uh, will move a bit to fullback, and I'm hoping he will do so a lot for the Crusaders. Quick question, yes. actually, while we're on the New Zealand rugby team. Roger Tuovasashek, where do you see him slotting into the... Oh, well, just you wait, mate. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, number three, number three I've got is the Formula One, obviously. Um, I think this year is going to be the probably the biggest year. Slightly different cars, slightly different things. See how all the teams make up that, and then hopefully we get another close year. I just want... Probably more teams in the mix of McLaren and Ferrari, especially Ferrari can get themselves back in the mix. Um, if McLaren can take another step and we have like four teams challenging, we have a whole lot of different race winners. I think we could have a, a fantastic year. But uh, let's be honest, Mercedes will probably win it. Um, and then number two I've got is Roger Tuivasa Sheik. So, yes, Ray, there we, we go. We do think alike. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, I've seen a lot of videos of him you know, getting out, doing some preseason and stuff. I think with the Blues, I think um, he'll start at fullback for the Blues. I think he's going to make 
his career on the wing for the All Blacks, dependent. Yeah, I've done that with the preference of Will Jordan starting at fullback, but you could do either. I think will be the two positions there. Um, and if not, and then if Damon McKenzie comes back from Japan and gets back into the fold, that could be a two wingers set up. Um, and then uh, Damon McKenzie at fullback. Um, but I think yeah, Roger will slot into the All Blacks. Um, I, I think he'll be in in the All Blacks team and squad. Uh, by the end of the year, and I'm, I'm so excited to watch that him tearing up on the wing um, against the Aussies. Very scared about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's probably the biggest pickup the All Blacks have had. If you think because we don't get a lot of you know exciting talent, they come through, we train them up, they they play in the Super Rugby season system, and then they play for the All Blacks. Like the the most recent was Asafa Moore, with he went straight from NPC into the All Blacks on a tour, and that was so exciting because. Mm. You know, he had just gassed George Bridge on the wing um, to score a try. So there was a lot of hype around him, and I think this is a, the, just something so new for the All Blacks. Like, there hasn't been quite quite like this, I think. Yeah. Um, Comparable to Folau coming to the Waratahs. Definitely, definitely. And I I mean, I don't have him on my list, but I think that's an honourable mention is Folau. As much as he may, you know, a, a slight Djokovic-type thing, a bit of a dickhead, but he's, he's done his time out of the sport. I just saw the the highlights package. I don't know if you saw of him ripping up Japanese rugby. Um, yeah. I can't if he can get his way back into Australian system. I don't know how it'll work. Um, I think that needs to happen. I don't think there's any yeah. reason for him to. I think to miss similar out. to Antonio Brown, he need to do. He need to issue a statement or something. He need to. He need to address it. Yeah, as controversial as people might think his, off. You know, whether people you think it's his opinion or not, it's just such a thing that will would cost Australian rugby so much money they would need he would need to address it Definitely. you can't just have it fade in the background it needs to be addressed head on and look if he's willing to take that step and, and swallow his pride then I think he should be welcomed back with open arms because I think that would sh- have shown tremendous growth from him personally yeah and I guess it depends what he's willing to say like I don't mind if he came out and said look I shouldn't share like those, those my opinions on social media like that um, because it's uh, I can't, I can't see him ever taking those words back. Like, that's what he believes, and that's who he is. So yeah. it is it is a touchy subject. I, I think, yeah, I think if he came out and just said, look, you know, my intention was never to hurt anybody. I won't be sharing anything like that on Instagram, Facebook, social media. I think there's there's definitely room for him to go, yeah, okay, look, you know, there's been a lot worse, and they've got, you know, they're still playing rugby, rugby league, all that thing. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. Um, but my number one, my top five yeah. events, obviously the FIFA World Cup. Um, so yeah. we're excited yeah. for that. That is a huge event. Husey, do you have a top five? Yeah. Yeah. So coming in at number five is the uh, the rebuilt Waratahs squad. <laughs> squad. You know, I guess a lot of question marks, a lot of changing. Just who who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? For me, as a New South Welshman, that's exciting. Um, and as that as a microcosm of the whole Super Rugby season, I've got that in there, my number five, looking at Super Rugby, seeing where that's going to go. Uh, number four, sort of sticking along a rugby-ish path, the NRL season. Um, and again, a similar sort of thing. St. George, Illawarra Dragons, how they're going to perform this year, particularly the young guns. And that as a microcosm of the whole NRL season, looking forward to those things. And, you know, I feel like this year, so many teams are going to be so competitive um, and we're gonna have a lot of question marks right up until, you know, week one of who's actually gonna be good, who's gonna be not so good, um, and even then we'll probably see that change throughout the course of the season. 
Uh, number three for me is the uh, NBA Finals. I think that's going to be uh, very interesting uh, this year as well. I think there's a lot of talent all around the league. And with Steph Curry and kind of back to his old self, mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to be a hectic Western Conference. Clay Thompson returning tomorrow as well. Yeah, so. there you go. So can only get better. Number two for me is the FIFA World Cup. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be uh, super interesting. I guess because I uh, have a team to actually root for, and that it's slightly less interesting because I know they're not going to do so good. Whereas you just tag along with England, and they're probably going to do well. So jump on that bandwagon uh, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is what it is. But number one for me, and I wouldn't be me if I wasn't saying it, is uh, the NFL. Uh, not only the Super Bowl, but then the whole 2022 season. Yeah. Because for the first time in, I said it last week on the podcast, for the first time in 18 years, we're going to have a different quarterback. <laughs> and still no idea who it's going to be. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm so looking forward to that and and being a very, very optimistic Steelers fan, as you can see, supporting and uh, wearing my team's colors with pride. But yeah, I think that whole NFL season and the Super Bowl this year, I, yeah, I am, you asked me a few weeks ago, I think on our first episode of the podcast, the second, my predictions for who's going to be in it. And with the Antonio Brown drama, I'm going to change my NFC prediction from the Buccaneers to the Packers. Yeah. Like I think the, the Bucks are just hurting so much and the Packers are coming into a good bit of form. Do you see that report to beat them. out of uh, Green Bay that of the Packers make the Super oh, Bowl? It's, it's total, total horseshit. Aaron Rodgers and his other quarterbacks were memeing it. Yeah. They were memeing it. They're like, this is the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. I, 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 would, I would, A, I would love for him to, to like half do it. Like just come out yeah. for like the first half week, tell his whole team, look, this is, I'm bullshitting, but I'm just going to scare yeah. Goodell and just do a, yeah. do a little bit of a joke and stuff. I, when I, was, I listened to that, I said, man has not given up his chance to win a second goddamn Super Bowl yeah, just absolutely. because of, to make a statement. like He's made enough of a statement this year with everything he's done. Like, exactly. I, I, I don't think, you know, and it, and it hasn't even been that controversial what he's done. The only the, yeah. the fact the fact that he said um, immunised instead of actually vaccinated yeah. is probably the biggest thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, that was dumb but it's yeah, not it's took not. Some, you, you took some herbs but, <laughs> yeah. but yes no so yeah. that's that's very cool um i'm excited for that's that pretty, yeah, it was pretty funny i did see that like yeah, I was yeah. Just like, it's what? funny and then i've said actually the last week there's been a real i think maybe it's because of the end of the season and an extra game and everyone's feeling really tired but there's been a lot of players sort of like snapping back at reporters like baker mayfield uh hit back at uh mary Kay cabot who's a browns beat writer um, and she's been covering them for years. And a whole slew of former Browns quarterbacks came out in support of Mayfield yeah. because of Cabot just making up stories, like he and Kevin Stefanski not getting along. Like, yeah, they might not see the eye to eye, but basically she's saying he wants to be traded away, Stefanski wants to trade him away, they don't speak to each other, they hate each other, whatnot. And then all these quarter, former quarterbacks, like Deshaun Kaiser, Brandon Whedon, Derek Anderson, all came out of the woodwork and just be like, preach it. Like, she just, she generates so much... Uh, clickbait yeah. that the fans then demand changes and the organization caves into the fans demands but it's all been manufactured and yeah look i think we're seeing a, a lot more of that of athletes standing up to reporters and getting their side of the story out with social media for good and for worse you know it's it's not there's always two sides to every coin and two sides to every story kind of thing uh but i think that's been really interesting is the amount of players standing up for themselves which you know previous years you might not have seen 
Yeah, definitely. And I think back to your original point of the Steelers and just the NFL yeah. end of season. And I think there's so much uncertainty and not in like a bad way as in you don't know much. Like even the NFL draft is seeming so interesting because there's not yeah. a clear number one pick. You don't have a, a slew of good quarterbacks. It looks like there's a lot of defensive talent at the top of that board. And like mm. what teams like, you know, Jaguars looking like they're going to get the first pick, aren't picking a quarterback. You know, a lot of those teams have already yeah. picked their franchise quarterbacks. You know, Zach Wilson, maybe not. But um, there, there's, there's definitely... He didn't look bad in the last game. Yeah, well, you can... He's looked bad the whole season, so I'm not, I'm not taking it off this year yet. But it's also the Jets, so we can't yeah. judge him too much. Um, but yeah. I just think, yeah, it's, it's there's so many questions and not a lot of answers. Like, you know, you could pick, you could do your top 10 from last year of the NFL draft, and you'd probably have about eight or nine right. This year, I think you'll probably yeah. go into it and have about four or five certainties, and even that, it won't be so certain. And then I think there'll be a lot of trading and this and that. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm glad you put that at number one. Um, and, of, of course, it means yeah. a bit more to you because you've got to pick a quarterback. Um, yeah, absolutely. But we will now... Hopefully Kenny Pickett. That would be, cool. <laughs> be cool. We will now look into our biggest predictions. We're bringing out the Mighty McFly and the... The Biff from Back to the Future, and going to tell you our biggest predictions for 2022. Um, do you want to start us off, Husey, with okay. 100% records? So we're doing five. <laughs> we're doing. Are we doing five predictions each, or what are we? What are we yeah, doing? What, five predictions each. One big prediction. You can. Do, I'm doing, five I've got five predictions, okay. so you can decide if you okay, want to do. Okay. 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 So five predictions. Looking, I got to channel. So I got to channel my ancestors' energy here. Okay. Well, first prediction. The Chiefs will defeat the Packers in Super Bowl 56. Ooh, first prediction. Final score, 34-31. Same score that the Bengals beat the Chiefs by. 34-31. There it is. In favour of the the Chiefs. Over the Chiefs. Okay. Chiefs to win Super Bowl over the Packers. Good game, that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Next prediction. (laughs) Novak Djokovic doesn't play in the Australian Open. Oh... Oh, you hit it here first. That's the next prediction, yeah. I, I, th- I don't think he'll get cleared, cleared in time. Nah, neither. But okay. That's a good E. Yeah. close one as well. We'll yeah. be able to know Third that prediction. one. Yeah. Third prediction. The Panthers continue the trend of uh, making it to the grand final, but they will lose in the grand final this year. Oh, Panthers to lose. Panthers, Panthers. Do you have a team they'll Panthers lose? to lose the grand final. Do you have a team that they'll beat? Or team you, they'll lose to... If you had to... Your prediction is that they'll that lose they'll... in the grand final, but if you could just... Just a... This isn't... This isn't from the Almanac. This isn't part of the official this prediction. Is, this, is, this isn't from the Almanac. The it's just... <laughs> yeah, this one... This one's just... This one's just uh, uh, a feeling more than anything. I think it's going to be... I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a cop out to say, but I think it'll be the storm. Yeah. I think the storm have got too much talent across the board to, to not be in there. The final is, all right. So that was prediction number three. Prediction number four. Uh, I mean, I don't feel like this is especially bold, but it just it's just come to me. Um, a lot of my Maltese family are fans of the F1, so I feel like this is where I'm getting this energy from right See. now. Lewis Hamilton will will win the F1. Uh, he'll he'll get nice. his eighth. Very so nice. I think I think he'll do that. And then bold prediction number one, and uh, this is perhaps, I don't know if this is the Australian in me influencing this, 
but I'm just seeing that this is the year that Australia breaks the Bledisloe drought. Oh, oh, no way. That's the worst yeah. prediction I've ever heard in my life. Well, <laughs> the odds you'd get on that uh, are probably quite high, yeah. but there you go. There's... Look, I don't know. There's just something, something, something. It just came to a breeze, blew through, and it just whispered on the wind in my ears. Funnily enough, I haven't actually got the All Blacks as my biggest prediction <laughs> to win the Bledis Uh So maybe maybe Hughesy is right. Um, yeah. If you didn't read it in the Almanac, then yeah. Exactly. You didn't get to that chapter. No, I didn't. I didn't quite get to the end of the the, the book. I have. I have got. I actually. I started. I started the rugby <coughs> section and got to the the bit that I saw that I liked, and then I stopped. Oh, okay. So that was that was the issue. Yeah. So my yeah. biggest predictions for twenty twenty two are the first prediction, exact same as you. One of them. It is that Lewis Hamilton will win the Formula One. I think. Yeah, there you go. He won't retire. He'll come back and he'll have his. This may be, he may go out after the season if he wins. Um, yeah. I actually I actually just about went with uh, George Williams um, winning it. Um, no, sorry, George Williams. George Russell from Williams, uh, who's just moved to Mercedes, uh, winning it. But I feel like he'll win it the year after. Uh, he's a fantastic driver, mm. so that will be the future. But Lewis Hamilton will win the Formula 1 next year. You hear it here. Both of us obviously read the Formula 1 section. Yeah. Um, looking into my uh, tarot cards as well, um, I spoke yeah. about this player a bit earlier. Phil Foden um, is about mm-hmm. to break the, the, the long standing of, no, of an Englishman not winning it, but Phil Foden will win the Ballon d'Or. So he will win Ooh, the top player. That's very bold. That, that's a big one out there. I think the last one was Michael Owen in 2001, uh, the last Englishman yeah. to win it. So Phil Wait, Foden. I'm burning the sacred candle. For oh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> I pulled that card out uh, last night, and I was just like, this is this is speaking mm. to me. Um, and maybe if, he do- if this comes true, I might dye my hair just like his. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's how much I believe in him. Um Free, I've got uh, another one I spoke about earlier, um, and the cards came to me, and, and this was my part of the rugby part I got up to, and then I just stopped reading. It was, Will Jordan will win World Rugby Player of the Year. The year after he runs break, okay. breakthrough, breakthrough Player of the Year, I think Will Jordan yep. goes on to make uh, to win World Rugby Player of the Year. Uh, second to last prediction, Super Rugby. I've done something similar to you. I've gone the Hurricanes will make the Super Rugby oh. final. And now yeah. you can be like, oh, it's a little bit biased. Um, but I think Geordie Barrett moves into 12. Ruben Lowe is uh, a fantastic rugby player, and he's coming up and coming. And so I think this year, after kind of just having a, a bit of a crazy year last year, I think they uh, get back on track and they make the final. I'm not, I'm not predicting them to lose or win the final. I'm just saying they will make the final. Um, right. I just yeah, yeah. and the only reason I say that is because if I if anyone was to make a prediction against the Crusaders, you'd look like a bit of an idiot. So I think <laughs> that that's my the, my second one. And now the biggest and the most bold prediction for twenty twenty two: England will win the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, God. <laughs> I thought Australia winning the was going to be. I'm I'm putting the candle out. There's no, <laughs> there's not, there's not, there's not, uh, we're not wasting the incense on that. No, that's no. That, I'm sorry. That is I'm sorry. the no, just, biggest I'm prediction. Out. I'm out. 
watch it happen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, oh, yeah, by some distance. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, um, see, and this list links with Phil Foden winning Ballon d'Or. He's just won the um, Premier League with Manchester City. He's led them to the Champions League, and now England goes on to win the World Cup. Phil Foden, Ballon d'Or, yep. England won the World Cup. Here's my thing, here's my thing. Looking at the last World Cup, uh, sorry, the Euros, and I go, okay, Italy was the only team that, you know, beat England and and probably on the same plane. Italy might not even qualify. They're in the same um, kind of staggering now. They're in that um, they have to qualify for a different part now and they have to play Portugal. So over Portugal, Italy aren't making it to the, the World Cup. So mm. that's going to happen. If Italy don't make it there, France didn't look as fantastic as they did at last World Cup at the Euros. Germany got beaten by England. So I go, okay, everyone in Europe, England could beat. So let's go to South America. Brazil and Argentina are the two teams that could do it. This tournament is in Asia. Um, I think the conditions suit the South Americans, but I think that from what I'm seeing, from what England showed at the Euros, the experience from the Euros, this is their best opportunity to win it. Um, and I actually think you'd probably get better odds on England winning the World Cup than the Aussies winning a Bledisloe. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as outrageous as it sounds because of the hoodoos that the English have, um, yeah. this is why I have predicted that. But that's, that's the thing. is like I feel like with Australia and New Zealand, it's just... All the only thing and I say only the only thing against stopping Australia there is New Zealand, right? <laughs> yes. You've got the supernatural working against the world. <laughs> You've got years of just like I don't know, man. Like that's that's next level. Like the fact that they lost the Euros on the penalty share as well. Like it just the most England way possible. Like. It, they've they've become the stereotype. The stereotype is the reality. So, <laughs> I, I read the almanac, and this is where you maybe didn't get to the football part, and this is where no, I didn't. Yeah, and this is where I did. And so, if if you want to for for the followers out there, put your house on England because I read it. I read it, and oh, and yeah. and there's no better chance now. You're gonna, yeah. you know, everyone talks about the stock market where you know you can make eight percent returns. I reckon you could easily, you know, make. 15 20 percent returns right now yeah so yeah. Just, just disclaimer we do not provide not liable for any <laughs> actions taken on behalf of these predictions this, yeah you, um, yeah but yes there are there are predictions there are the correct answers so it's, it's gonna be a wild year lewis hamilton wins the formula one yeah we see the australians break the hoodoo as well as the english um Yes, uh, a fantastic year of sport. It looks like a hit. Um, yeah, uh, look, yeah, who, who would, yeah, and I, I, the, the Chiefs beating the Packers' revenge from 50-odd years ago when the Packers beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So many so many great storylines this year. So many great storylines. Definitely, and another storyline. Um, I've got uh, 2022 sport versus Omnicrom, and now in America this yeah. is probably not such a big issue because they're, they're going for it at the moment with the NBA, NFL. My issue is they've got the money to be able to maneuver and do this as we've seen with an australian sport this is going to be a massive issue we've seen it in the a-league already having to postpone games i'm i'm nervous with the nrl i really am i think super rugby can find a way to do it i think it'll end up being every team like they've they've already split so that the calendar so you play 
all the Australian teams first, we play all the New Zealanders teams. Then I think they'll overdo all the New Zealand teams teams come over to Australia, but I think they'll actually do the Australian teams to go over to New Zealand and play it all out in New Zealand, if in doubt, if yeah. this hasn't sorted by the time it comes around. Um, NRL makes me nervous just because as much as it's harsh to say, the NRL players... I think have much more of a say of what they can do. I think Super Rugby's got the rugby players by the balls. If you fuck up as a as a as yeah. a Super Rugby player and you want aspirations to be an All Black, you're out. In the NRL, you, you're not going to be out. And it is not. I'm not trying to say you know NRL players are big like idiots. They they just they've got more power in the game of what well, they can. You can you could sit there and say that, but I think yeah. they've got more power to do that stuff. Um, and they're more likely to do that stuff. Absolutely. And so I do. I have a bit of nervousness with postponing games like we you can't just offer 10-day contracts in the nrl like so depth's yep. going to be a massive question um your thoughts on that husey look i feel like it de- i think it depends and i guess i wish i had some more medical knowledge around this but it depends with the large amount of case numbers we're seeing so far like in the last month you've got to wonder if COVID doesn't just sort of get through everyone before the season like what if everyone has gotten it before the season the season rolls around and it's already it's already happened everyone's already gotten it yeah. i think it'll disrupt a lot of the preseason stuff we're already seeing it disrupt a lot of preseason stuff in the nrl with training and people's not people not able to get into the facility look i think the the nfl as you said the americans have got a bit more money behind and they can pivot a bit quicker but they changed their protocols based on health advice where vaccinated asymptomatic people could continue to participate or could come off the COVID list quicker and things like that, didn't need to test and whatnot. I I feel like, and, you know, this is this is maybe a discussion that goes larger than sport. It goes into how we handle COVID entirely here in Australia and New Zealand. But, look, the I feel like at the moment we're still in a very preventative... We're sort of in, in the middle ground where we really shouldn't be. And this is just my personal opinion and... You know, it, I'm sure there are lots of people that have lots of different views on it, but we're, we're sort of trying to walk a middle line where we want to prevent COVID, but at the same time, we're not really restricting anyone from doing anything. You've got to wear a mask and scan a QR code, and that's about it. But it, it's a, it, we see it reflected in the Novak situation as well. Like, we're trying to prevent people from coming into the country with COVID, but COVID's rampant here at the moment. So it's kind of like, I, you know, pick a lane. Like, either we're in the stance now where we're just living with COVID and dealing with the consequences, which is a really hard road to walk with the amount of people that are going to die from that or people that are in hospital the health workers are going to be overloaded and off their feet i've got friends who are nurses dad's a doctor it's it's rough you know dealing with COVID. alternatively if we clamp back down again that's going to be really hard as well and you're going to see huge backlashes from that not only from individual people but from organizations and business and sport because you're restricted crowds venues everything like that taking money out of people's pockets. So I understand why they're trying to sort of walk this middle line, but you really need to pick one lane and stick with it because at the moment you're sort of uh, pissing both sides off. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be a similar thing with, with with NRL and with other sports. It's going to be either like, well, COVID happens, COVID happens. So what? We'll just let, have no restrictions. It is what it is. People will get it or they won't get it. Or they'll go super harsh. They'll put themselves in a bubble again. They will have no crowds in the stadiums. They'll pump in artificial noise and whatnot. uh, And it'll be really hard for the players to deal with. So it's really going to come down to a leadership decision from, like, you know, in the NRL, from, like, a Peter Volandis of, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to initiate a bubble again? Um, 
I don't know if you can. I don't know if it's going to be possible now that COVID's already starting to spread throughout the teams. And again, you know, it might be that they take the policy, well, look, may as well, everyone who is participating now is vaccinated. We've seen that people, that the NRL has already put a harsh foot down on people that aren't vaccinated. You know, uh, Asiata, the Bulldogs got his contract terminated. Uh, Big Nelson at the uh, Storm has been held out of everything. And he's a top player. He's been held out of everything because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. You know, there are players that have gotten medical exemptions from being vaccinated, like uh, Papa Lee. And, you know, if you have exemptions, then fair enough to you. But at the same time, I, I'm glad the NRL has taken a harsh stance and they've put their foot down. Like, if you can get vaccinated and choosing not to, then you're putting everyone else at risk. So we're not going to allow you to put everyone else at risk. Um, so I think from the player side, they're going to make sure everyone's vaccinated. And so then if everyone gets COVID while they're vaccinated, the symptoms are going to be much less, at least for what we've seen from medical science and the data so far. It's, yeah, it's it's a really tough question. And I think it's, it's uh, one that, I'm glad people much smarter, much better paid, and with much more people than us are going to make the decisions on because yes. I don't know what decision I would make. Yeah, and I guess it was just more of a discussion. I think you're right with I, the only nervousness I have is around the start of the season. I think March, April, once you kind of yeah. get past that, April, May, June, like you said, I think enough people would have had it that it'll be like, okay, you've got it, you miss a week. You know, it's just like you you miss a week. Yeah. Um, and then you're back in, and it won't it won't affect teams that much. Um, especially, I mean, there was what 16 at the Broncos the other day. I think that they had cases. Um, yeah. So like that's half their team, which is I guess right now it's perfect. It sounds terrible to say, but it's perfect to have those right now than than yeah. that. I mean, like you said, you get what like 90 days or six months of immunity after you've had it. Apparently, like, yeah, like, six months of immunity. So, yeah. So that's yeah. I mean, yeah, and I guess it's hard. Like you said, it's we're we're not smart enough. We don't have all the science around us to make these decisions. But it's hard. You see, like guys like is it Frank Paul Nuisala and who ended up in hospital because he had asthma. Was it Frank Paul? It was one of the. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Um, no, it was Frank Pritchard. One of the one of the New Zealand former Bulldog players. Um, I'll put it in oh yeah, 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 yeah. I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, Frank Pritchard. Yeah, he Frank was. Pritchard. Yeah, he uh, former player. I thought you were talking about current players, but yeah, no, former, no, no, yeah, no. He was. He was pretty ill for a while. Pretty ill for yeah. a while, and, and there's going to be people that have that, and, and that's what I've, you know, talking yeah. to people having it myself. Everyone reacts differently. Uh, it might affect you more. It might not affect you more. Even then, the unvaccinated, yeah. you can see that like some unvaccinated go. I've had it, was unvaccinated, and it didn't affect me that much. It's just, it is what it's going to be. It's unfortunate, um, but I think. I think, yeah, that's, that's March, April, same with Super Rugby, March, April. If they can get through those stages, I think. Yeah. The issue with New Zealand is obviously we haven't really got it. There's about 30 to 40 cases yeah. in the community a day, maybe up to 100 in just the community a day. It's not ripping in a tear and like it is um, yeah. here. Uh, the issue, the reason New Zealand's doing that is because we don't have the same hospital, hospital system that you guys do. If it does run riot, it'll run absolute riot and and put us in a, in a pretty bad situation however it also means that they're missing out on that chance of immunity and, and this and that there's there's no good way to look at about this um but it'll be interesting i guess how how the sporting and it's just look yeah. even seen a league and how they're handling it it's pretty tough like you can tell they're postponing games yeah. and that so it'll be interesting but I guess we're looking forward to hopefully getting... They'll make the right decisions. We'll get sport. We'll get an NRL comp. They're not going to postpone it. They need it more than, than even just on TV of anything. So, yeah. yeah. All righty. We'll move on to what we're calling is make me a list. Hughesy is going to make me a list. Now, 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a topic, and I say, make me a list. I might be a top five list. It might be a list of the best players you've ever seen in real life, the list of, you know, this, that, that. For the list today, I want you to give me a list of your top five greatest athletes of all time. And now, before you start thinking, I don't want this, I want this to be thought of as, as the athlete. So if you're thinking about it, let's say LeBron James versus Tom Brady, Tom Brady's obviously probably the greatest sportsman and you can, you know, justify it anyway. But I want the actual athlete. So the top five greatest yeah, athletes. It's really interesting you, it's interesting you pick this topic because I was discussing this with my football friends the other day about the best quarterback to ever play. And it was a similar discussion. It was Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. And I said, if you put them both on a team with all of the best players at every position around them, who would be better? And I think Aaron Rodgers would succeed in that situation. But if you're talking about if you put both those quarterbacks on your average NFL roster who would have more success, I would say Tom Brady because Tom Brady elevates everyone around him. When you don't need to elevate people around you, Roger succeeds as a natural talent. Uh, so that's interesting. I was already sort of th- I've already been sort of thinking along these lines in my head. So in terms of greatest athletes, uh, look, we were talking about him uh, before, and I think you've got to put Israel Folau on the list. Multi-sport uh, player, had success in multiple different sports, and for a while was the, the best rugby player on earth. Was yeah. just an incredible talent. I got to see him play live, uh, and he's it, incredible to watch. So I think you've got to put him on there. So uh, I put Israel Folau on there. I would say... Uh, now, is this all-time or sort of like more currently? All-time. Like, you can do all-time. All time. Um, all time. Yeah, just, just natural athletes. Um, yeah. Yeah. God, this is hard. It is. Uh, and just as many as you can name. If you you yeah. don't have to. I said five, but if you can name more or you want to make yeah. it your list, mate, I'm just saying make me a list. Yeah. Uh, it might seem a bit of a trendy pick, but I'm going to put Derek Henry up there because I've never seen a person that big be that fast and that athletic. Like, I still remember, he's had multiple 99-yard touchdown runs, which is insane to think about, where he's outrun people as part of those runs. That's incredible to me for a person of his bulk. And there's a great photograph of him while he's playing at Alabama. He's there in his full Alabama kit, standing next to Mark Ingram, yeah. a former high school <laughs> winning running back at Alabama, NFL player, NFL pro bowler. And Mark Ingram looks like a child next to him. Yeah. And Henry is standing there like some Adonis or something like that. Like, he... He's just a different specimen. He's just built, as as the meme goes, he's built different. He's yeah. just built different to every, everyone else. So I'd put him on my list as well. Uh, I would then say that Aaron Rodgers, I was just talking about him, he is pretty incredible. He doesn't have the most athletic build, but he's shifty, and the way he could throw a football is insane. The accuracy that he has with a football is more accurate than any of us could hope to be with any object in our <laughs> lifetime. Uh, no matter how we choose to throw, kick, or hit it, like it is it is incredible. So I put Aaron Rodgers on there. Uh, who else? Who else would I put in there? Um, bit of a hometown one here, but Troy Polamalu. Oh, yeah. Watching his highlight reels, some of the interceptions he made where he just get this the tip of his <laughs> finger under the ball and scoop it up off the ground and intercept it. His blitz packages where he'd sack people. 
his 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 mental athletics as well, his timing of the snap where he jumps over the line of scrimmage and sacks the quarterback based on the timing. Yeah, I put Troy Troy up there as one of the greatest athletes ever. In terms of basketball, I think you got to put uh, Michael Jordan on there. And I'm torn between him and LeBron James, but I think MJ has got it there. Yeah. Like, just... Yeah, just the, the clutch gene in him. I think LeBron's... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's so tough. But now I think, I'm sort of rethinking, like, do I put MJ and LeBron in there? I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> the greatest, I put both of them on there. Whatever. Yeah, it's my list. MJ list. and LeBron. You can put have them both. Them on they're there. both great athletes. Like, if you think about it, they're both yeah. just unreal athletes. Out of... And, yeah, look, I think I'm going to miss... I, I think I've got to leave it there. Yeah. I think if I start expanding it anymore, it's going to get too broad. But that's that's my list there. So Makes what did sense. I say? I said Israel Folau. I said, uh, I, sorry, I said Israel Folau. I said Aaron Rodgers. I said Derek Henry. I said LeBron James. I said Michael Jordan. So that's five. five. I got five. Those five. Those five. So I'll, I'll share you, you my go. five just so <coughs> this is what I had built yeah. up um, when I was interested to hear yours. So I had, first one was Bo Jackson. I don't know if you've ever seen his yeah. highlight package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, again, dual sport. Bo is, knows football. Yeah. <laughs> and dual, dual sport is like you said with Israel Folau. I think Israel Folau was actually your best pick. I didn't even think of him. He didn't even yeah. come, but he's multi-sport. Like, that's incredible what he can do. Yeah. Uh, so Bo Jackson was one. I had Muhammad Ali. I think um, he was a natural athlete and would have been incredible at whatever yeah. his sport he did. I had Cristiano Ronaldo um, just because of – yeah. He is who he is. I think you're, I think you're putting like a Ronaldo in there. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe tough. someone in football, but yeah, definitely tough. Um, I had Carl Lewis, the uh, American athlete, um, but he was. I'm pretty sure he was selected in the baseball draft, the basketball draft, and the NFL draft. Um, so yeah, I, I would be. He was one of them. Um, and then fifth I had was LeBron James. So we, we shared the similar yeah. on that. Um, but those were kind of just five I thought of where I was like, man, those five just athletes, just pure athletes. Um, yeah. I feel like you put them in any sport and they'll just about succeed, if you know what I mean. So those were my yeah. five. Um, but I think your list, I think Israel Folau is probably a great chair. I reckon just some, I reckon if he'd gone to, uh, you know, gone to America, he would have found his way as a ride receiver, same yep. similar to Calvin Johnson build. So that was a really good one. Um, but yeah, I can't, can't argue with him. And even with uh, Aaron Rodgers, who isn't your atypical athlete, like you said, the, the way he can yeah. throw a ball and just the accuracy, um, yeah, is, is incredible. So those were, those yeah. were my five. I'm sure we missed more athletes. Um, and if you want to, yeah, comment to your favorite athletes. Comment them. Yeah, <laughs> tell us we're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that that was kind of our make me a list from Husey today. His uh, yep. greatest athletes, five of them of all time. Now, mm-hmm. onto the court case, Husey. I believe you've got yes. one today. I have have got one, and I'm in the appropriate attire for it. And I'm sure for anyone that knows me, this will not come as a surprise. But Today, we have the case. Glasses go on for those who are listening to this. Glasses are on. on. Your Honor, I present to you that TJ Watt should be the undisputed defensive player of the year. There is no question in my mind that he's currently the best defensive player in the NFL. And the stats prove it out. He should have got the award last year. He was robbed last year. He was robbed the year before. But this is the year. If he doesn't win it this year, I'm going insane. I'm 
I'm firebombing the NFL. There's no there's no question this year that he should be the defensive player of the year. Let me break it down for you here. So in addition to TJ Watt, there are three other potential contenders for the defensive player of the year. The most known of these probably as his challenger is Miles Garrett. We've also got Aaron Donald, perennially great player. And we've got Micah Parsons, the rookie for the Dallas Cowboys, who are currently playing and currently uh, looking very average against a second string, string Eagles team. Um, they've only just gone uh, ahead of the Eagles uh, right before halftime. But first of all, uh, number of sacks. Well, I mean, everyone knows TJ Watt is currently leading the league as of time of recording, he might break the record tomorrow, but he's currently leading the league in 21.5 sacks. That is six ahead of his uh, of Miles Garrett. That is eight and a half ahead of Parsons, and that is nine ahead of Aaron Donald. The crazy thing, the crazy thing about this and all the other statistics I'm going to read to you here, Luke, is that TJ Watt has done in two less games started than all the others. But even more crazy than that is he has missed time in the games he has played. He has missed half of a game against the Vikings. He missed half a game against someone else. I believe it was the Chargers. And he missed three quarters of the game against the Chiefs. So essentially he's played 13 games, 12 and a half maybe. And he's still 21 and a half sacks. He's got the best sack to, uh, sack to play rate of any player in the NFL. Next statistic I'm going to throw at you. Tackles for loss, right? So keep in mind through all this, TJ's played in two, three less games than everyone else here. TJ leads the league with 20 tackles for losses. Tied with him is Micah Parsons, 20 tackles for loss. Aaron Donald, 18. Miles Garrett, 16. Again, TJ Watt's done it in two less games. In addition to this, he also plays outside linebacker. In comparison to Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett, who are rushing the quarterback the entire time, Micah Parsons plays hybrid defensive end linebacker, so he sometimes drops into coverage as well. But TJ Watt's a true 3-4 outside linebacker. We saw in the game against the Browns how many times he dropped back into coverage to cover a tight end. So this man is getting 21.5 sacks, 20 tackles for loss, and he's out there covering tight ends and receivers. That's insane the amount of pressure he gets when he is able to rush the quarterback. Next statistic I'm going to throw at you. Guess who leads the league in forced fumbles? That's right. It is TJ Watt with four. No, sorry. Who leads this group of four people with forced fumbles? It's TJ Watt with four. Darius Leonard leads the league with eight. But of this group, TJ Watt has four. Parsons has three. Donald has four. Garrett has one. So of all the four contenders here, guess who's leading them? TJ Watt. Fumble recoveries now. Guess who's leading the league amongst defensive players? TJ Watt is. He's got three. Guess how many of the other three of them have combined? A fat zero. A fat Fat zero. Passes defended. Guess who's got the most? Oh, that's right. It's TJ Watt with six. He's got more than most defensive backs have got in passes defended. He batted two of them down against Baker Mayfield and pointed to him and said, you've got to throw higher, son. Baker Mayfield, ugh, we'll talk about that situation another time. But those six pass defenses equal Parsons and Garrett's number of pass defenses combined. They've both got three. Aaron Donald has got four. Now, Quarterback hits, another really important statistic that proves the pressure that TJ is getting. Keep in mind, as I said, TJ drops back into coverage for many of his plays. Who leads the league in quarterback hits? Who leads the league? That's right, it's TJ Watt with 36. Micah Parsons, 30. Aaron Donald, 24. Aaron Donald, who is purely running at the quarterback or trying to uh, run at the running back the entire game. Same with Miles Garrett, who's got 31. But TJ Watt has 36 on the attempts that he rushes. It is clear to anyone with a pair of eyes, glasses or not, on them, 
that TJ Watt is currently the best defensive player in the year. He's having one of the best years a defensive player has ever had. He has reached over 20 sacks in less games than anyone has ever done it before. He's going to break the sack record this week against Baltimore in less games than Michael Strahan did. Michael Strahan played in all 16 games, and he was given a gimme sack at the end of the game by Brett Favre to get him the record. TJ Watt is going to earn the sack record. He's going to earn Defensive Player of the Year. And it is clear to anybody that follows the NFL that this should be the case. And if it is not, it will be an injustice on the scale that we've never seen the likes of before in the NFL. And that, Your Honour, is my submission today. Well, fantastic case. I'm just uh, bringing up the defence's uh, information that passed on to me um, to, to have a little read over just so I can get get my yeah. head around. Now, <coughs> there was a couple of uh, kind of interesting um, thoughts that came instantly into my head. Um, obviously, I saw the stat where it was like, he's going to do this in less games, and I thought, this is fantastic, because uh, uh, the 18-game season is going to have a lot of people saying, oh, this like records need an asterisk next asterisk time. Asterisk, yeah. But he shuts everyone up. It doesn't matter. If he breaks the record, he's done it. And like you said, in even less games, yeah. in some games he hasn't been able to play. Now, I do think, okay, you play in a division with Lamar Jackson, who's a running quarterback. Obviously, sacks are easier. Doesn't make the excuse any easier because my... Well, I would I would, I would, I would, dispute that, actually. Excuse me, just let me speak if for a moment. Back to... Just let me speak, speak for a moment, all right? I'll let you speak. I'll let you speak. Just give me, give me, give me one yeah, moment. Okay, okay. Miles Garrett, obviously, same division. So no argument there. Then if we look at the two biggest rivals, Aaron Donald, who plays in his division, Kyler Murray. Obviously not Murray. quite the same running and not quite the same game plan, but still a running quarterback. Then we look at Michael Parsons, who plays in his division. Whose division does he play in? Jalen Hurts. Again, another running quarterback. So And Taylor Heineke. And, Ty- and Taylor Heineke. And then if I go to my next argument was, okay, the teams you're playing. Now, if you look at your teams you're playing, let's be honest, you're probably playing in the hardest division. So you go, okay... Maybe you go with uh, Aaron Donald's probably, you could argue that the teams are better even though the records aren't better. But I look at his most recent game. Again, I don't have all the information in front of me, so I may have to give this information up. But four sacks against the Browns offensive line, which is one of the better offensive lines in the league. I don't know if they were missing players to COVID and stuff like that, so I would have to review that. But four sacks against any offensive line is good. The teams you're playing against aren't bad offensive lines. Now, the second thing is, what, what help have you got? Because if we look at Miles Garrett, he's got Clowney on the other side. So, TJ Watt, what help has he got? got Von Miller. Aaron Donald's just well, recently got Von Miller. But again, Mika Parsons got Lawrence and Gregory. Yep. So, you look at that. TJ Watt's got what, Hayward? Is there someone else I'm missing? He's got Cam Hayward. Yep. He's, so, I will say, TJ Watt, I would... I did think about this in my argument, Your Honor, about comparing the talent that they've got around them. And I would say on the defensive lines, I'd say everyone's got sort of comparable talent around them because TJ's got Cam Haywood, Alex Highsmith, the second-year player, is playing really well, and there's a few other pieces that played well. Miles Garrett, as you said, has got Jadavion Clowney, uh, Aaron Donald. He's got a pretty good defensive line there with him. You know, Gaines has played well, Avon Miller's playing well, uh, and then you look at Mike Parsons, you identified uh, Lawrence and Gregory there as well. I would say, though, where TJ Watt is at a disadvantage compared to the other teams is in his secondary. He's got Minka Fitzpatrick back there. We've had Joe Hayden in and out for a lot of the year, but you look at uh, Mike Parsons, he's got, of course, Trayvon Diggs, who's been in the discussion of Defensive Player of the Year 
back there. You look at the Rams, they got Jalen Ramsey back there. And you look at the Browns, they got Denzel Ward, they got multiple first round picks back there, Greg Newsom, uh, Greedy Williams. So I think the fact that and I think the inside linebackers as well, they also provide coverage a better on the other teams compared to the Steelers. Devin Bush has been noted for his <coughs> decrease in play this year. Um, so the fact that TJ, who doesn't have a whole lot of time to get to the quarterback because he's not getting those coverage sacks, is still able to get those sacks and get more than the other players, I think is a big uh, point in this statement. I'm glad you raised that, although I thought uh, in my, I didn't want to spend too long going on about that. No, 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 no it was good, and, and this is why. I raise it, and it's interesting. I'm just looking at the stats, stats-wise. Um, I, I, I believe you can't argue Miles Garrett over TJ Watt. There's no arguing that there. TJ Watt's been better, so you can't argue that. So then I go Aaron Donald. Now, you could look and you go, oh, yeah, Aaron Donald, you know. However, I'm pretty sure they just got run dominated by the Ravens last week um, pretty heavily. Yep. Um, did. And that's over 200 yards. And that's meant to be kind of his forte as well. Like you don't run up against those Rams um, and he gets after the quarterback. Um, I think you can always every year make an argument to Aaron Donald. I don't think this year For sure. he's better than TJ Watt. So we can take him. So that leaves a one-on-one competition with Mika Parsons. And I think that's the only competitor I could sit there and say, maybe. Um, and the only reason I think you can go kind of Mika Parsons, I think Mika Parsons' stats are a level below, and I still think the bigger impact is obviously TJ Watt. Um, and you can take in, oh, he's done it in less games, but you're looking at a whole season. It doesn't matter. An MVP candidate, if he misses four games, they don't take that into account when they look at the whole season. However, saying that, his stats are all better. I think you could look at and go, when you're making the impact for the team, I think you can make the argument TJ Watt probably bigger than Mika Parsons. However, that whole defensive unit and the Cowboys, I think, is better. And therefore, I think Mika Parsons get a little bit of a uptick because the defense has played so well. I think there's still been moments, like you said, it's it's easy to make the argument, oh, he's got a less of a defensive backs, he's got less inside linebackers, which I think he does, and that should boost his case, but I think it also hurts his case, because when you look at defense, obviously, if you look, oh, they got run on for 200 yards in this game, you know, I think there was that, what, the Minnesota Vikings game, and you can't say, oh, that's just on TJ Watt. Well, he missed it. Did he miss that game? Sorry, yeah. He, 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 missed, he missed half of that game. Half he, of that was, game. he was injured. He broke a rib or something like that. And again, it's, it's, it's more just the example that it doesn't bring down TJ Watt, but it is, you start to have those questions. Defensive player of the year, the defense isn't doing so well, this and that. Saying all of this, I think if he hits a stat record, he even if he doesn't, I think it would be hard-pressed to take this award away from him. I think the only one I could sit there and go, okay, I'm not that bothered as if they give it to Mika Parsons. If Garrett or Donald win it, I'd be, I'd be blowing up with you. Trust. I'd be like, this is ridiculous. I think Mika Parsons, what he's done this year, We've discussed it before, and again, I don't know how much you can take this into account. Changing positions, mm. playing all that is special. Is special, and I think I go, wow, holy moly! When, when, especially when I think last year the Cowboys' defense was so, so awful, and I know they've had, yeah, like you said, Trevon Diggs, all the stuff that's happened and definitely improved. I could sit there and go, if Mika Parsons won it, I wouldn't argue. Other than that. It's a clear-cut conclusion. It's a clear-cut conclusion. I still 
still think TJ Watt should win. I agree with you on this court case. I've looked at all the information that I've been given, and there's there's the only it 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 could be a hung jury if <laughs> if if Mika Parsons was you know to have another. Ten in this Eagles games. I'm, I haven't got it up, and I don't know. But I am going to agree with you, and I'm going to say if TJ Watt does not win Defensive Player in the Year, we riot. Done. We riot. <laughs> we burn down Roger Goodell's house. Yes. So I, I think it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. If he doesn't win it, it's it's mental. But the only person who could even take it off him is Mika Parsons, and it's 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 a question of what comes into account when they're giving it to Mika Parsons. Uh, does it come into account that he's changed positions, their defense has taken up all the step, or anything like that? Again, I think stats wise, you can't go you can't go past TJ Watt. I think his impact on a game, you can't go past TJ Watt. When TJ Watt plays, the Steelers what must just about win every game. Like uh, again, I don't have the stats, but there's something they they they've only lost when he started the and played the whole game. They've only lost twice yeah. this year i think something like that yeah so it makes a phenomenal it, like if he plays more than um 50 of a game there's something like eight and two something yeah. like that and it's just it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a different a different football team different football team and i think in the end say the steelers don't make the playoffs um i think that might be held just slightly against them but again this is an individual award for an individual player yeah they should be taken into account so i think you're right, Hughesy. I think he should definitely win just Defensive Player of the Year. I think Micah Parsons will definitely get Defensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, question. there's no question about that. And, and I think he'll get some votes yeah. for Defensive Player of the Year. And I think yeah. it would be anyone bar him to finish second would be unjust. But I think if yeah. he if he did win the award, I think I'd still be a little shocked. I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, I, th- I think something that hurts Parsons is the fact that Trayvon Diggs will probably get some votes for Defensive Player of the Year. So I think that would hurt Parsons more than it would hurt what definitely. And I think yeah, I think if you're going if you're going to vote for either Diggs or Parsons, you're choosing one or the other. If you know what I mean, like you like yeah. you just said, it's not you're not choosing between Watt and Diggs, or you're probably choosing between Watt and Parsons. Yeah. So Parsons has got to beat out Diggs and beat out Watt, whereas Watt's just pretty much competing with Parsons. If you're voting for a defensive man, that's a you're not going to be voting thinking about Diggs. So. Yes, yeah. good court case, Husey. Well done, um, and I hope, I hope, I hope for your sake, TJ. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he wins. I, yeah, I would. I will be incensed. I will be incensed. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's all I have on for the show this week. Um, anything you you want to say, Husey? I think that's that's wrapped up a pretty good twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. We uh, last week I sort of did my. Uh, my sort of send off to Ben and the game they played against the Browns was a really perfect goodbye for that. Uh, this week they play the Ravens play Monday morning, 5am for us. Uh, and the Ravens wrote a really great article where a lot of the former Ravens players came out and said what it meant, you know, playing against Ben and what a tough opponent he was. Um, and Terrell Suggs is going to be there for the game. You know, Ben's probably biggest rival <laughs> of all time was Terrell Suggs. Yeah. Um, and Terrell Suggs had this, has this fantastic line and as much as a, He's a raven. It's a great line. And he said, uh, God can have his soul, but his ass is mine. And that, to me, is just an amazing quote. And uh, I think it really symbolizes the tough rivalry those two had. So I'm glad he's going to be there for that game. I can't wait to see the Steelers 
swamp the Ravens and TJ break the sack record and the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> beat the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers get sent to the playoffs and go on a magical run and win the Super Bowl. But, you know, we'll get into that next episode. <laughs> yes, uh, we should. I think next week we're going to do a video with our uh, just a wild card prediction. So it'll just be a short clip uh, of us predicting the yep. wild card. Um, so that'll go up on our YouTube if you want to follow. It won't go up on Spotify or anything like that, just on the YouTube. So subscribe to that um, if you want to see that video. If you want to see Husey talk about his Steelers, if they make it for 10 minutes, then um, jump on that. Other than that, I think it is goodbye for now. Uh, episode four, done and dusted. All righty. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. See ya.